What causes people to participate in thanksgiving? What causes people to do this? Now, when I say thanksgiving, I'm not talking about what, when you say thanksgiving, most people correlate thanksgiving too. They talk about this weekend, or they talk about this dinner that you might participate in, or you talk about the family gathering, we think of thanksgiving. I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about the act of giving thanks. What causes one to step outside of him or herself to participate in grateful acknowledgement of the benefits or favors given to them, especially in thanks of God? What causes the expression of thanks so much to the extent that one would even publicly celebrate in acknowledgement of divine favor or kindness? Did you know that's the actual definition of thanksgiving? The bottom one, if you look on it here, is actually Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving is something when we give praise or we we recognize God in particularly. We suddenly are a people who shift. Now, so Thanksgiving shouldn't just be one weekend. It becomes a lifestyle. That's the actual definition of Thanksgiving. How do we encourage people to participate all the time in Thanksgiving? Well, you know what? Human beings, by nature, uh, we try to protect our own interests. You know what? Uh, one of the, I was looking at, actually, this guy who was doing a talk, and he talked about, actually, how our bodies work. Our bodies are designed to actually protect itself. Everything inside you says, look after yourself, biologically. In fact, everything in our culture kind of pushes you to say, look out for yourself. It's best to look after your own self-interests. It's your basic instinct for survival. You know, only the strong survive. So what would cause you to suddenly elevate someone else, make someone else look good, or, or extol somebody and make them feel good when you should make yourself feel good? It's so counter to everything that's in actually our human nature. You know what? The number one thing that we sometimes have to fight is protect number one, or at least protect those that are closest to us, right? I mean, you, ever, you ever want to get Nikki really upset? Attack her children. Then she might get a little upset with you. Because you know what? She'll, she'll take it personal. Any other moms in the house, you do that? Yeah, yeah. And Caleb's like, yeah, I don't take it. No, I'm, you know, I don't. In fact, I think he was offering Zach one time, like, no, guy, you guys just take him, take him, take him. Yeah, no. Anyway. See, living a life of thanksgiving is actually very difficult in our culture. It's counter to our nature. It's counter to everything. To say to a person, you practice thanksgiving, you are swimming upstream right away. And in fact, it's really hard when you especially you feel like life is kicking you down. COVID. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Nobody got that. Oh, my word. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to be thankful when everything feels like it's falling apart? Yes. And I would say that for about seven months, that's all I've been feeling. I have to confess... I, somebody said, how are you doing? And I said, I just feel frustrated. Frustrated. I have to admit. 
how to keep a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Well, the date is August 16, 2002. Picture with me now. Now, flying in the above night air sky over Afghanistan are two A-10 warthogs. What is a warthog, if you don't know, for those people that have no clue what that is? A warthog, or A-10, is actually a military plane that is used for helping ground support. Heavy armored. Like, I mean, this thing's got missiles like crazy. A little bit slower moving, so it can actually protect ground troops. It's right there. You can see that. Well, this particular night, on August 16th, 2002, uh, these, air, these uh, warthogs were flying over Afghanistan because they were helping a particular troop that were on a uh, special mission. They had got a secure package, a, a special person that they were trying to get of interest to a safe house. And so this troop was walking through a valley, and this two, these two planes were up in the air giving them support. Now, one of the pilots, his name is Mike his, co- his uh, code name, or sorry, call sign was called Johnny Bravo Dowry. Johnny Bravo. He's up there flying along in his A-10, and he said it was a beautiful night. His description was the stars were out, the moon was shining, it, it was beautiful, it was serene. In fact, the cloud cover below looked like a milky glass, just absolute for as miles as he could see, and he just said it was absolutely calm, it was beautiful. He was so thankful. However... At the same time, while he was up there enjoying bliss, below the soldiers, on the other hand, this thick cloud was now making it so they could hardly see. It was very dark, and it was starting to rain. In fact, he could feel their uneasiness. They were like, we think actually the enemy is around us. We actually feel it. We think that that they might know what's going on. He's like, and so Johnny Bravo just starts talking to them and and sharing with them. And you know what? And they said, you know what? Hey, as long as we got you, Johnny Bravo, up in the sky, we feel pretty at ease. But no sooner has this conversation is going, all of a sudden, Johnny Bravo hears the first time something that absolutely impacted him and changed him. It was this, this term he heard, contact, our troops in contact. Now, for you that don't know what that means, is that suddenly uh, his friends, the, the soldiers down below, were suddenly being attacked, and they were in trouble. And Johnny had never heard this before. This was his first kind of time where he actually, he's done flights before, but this is where actual military, the, they're being attacked. And you know what Johnny Bravo did at that exact same moment? He suddenly told command, I've got to get down there and I've got to see what's happening. Now this is particularly why it makes a significance is because back in 2002, what he was telling them is that he's going to have to do a weather letdown. Now what's a weather letdown? For us that don't know piloting and all that stuff, a weather letdown was this. He would literally have to go through the, uh, the cloud cover and go to a place where he doesn't know to see enemies that he is unaware of, what it looks like. But here was the trick. In 2002, they didn't have the ground-hugging radar they had back then. So he's literally kind of going in blind. But to top it off on that, the only thing that he had was he had an old Russian uh, map. He doesn't speak Russian, so he doesn't, he's not able to actually actuate a lot of these things. So what he's doing is he says, okay, I think I'm kind of here, and he just dives down. And he kind of goes, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, trying to plot himself, looking at his instruments, and hopefully doesn't know what he may impact, what he, what he's going to come up. He's hoping he'll even come out of the air, out of the cloud. Johnny Bravo, doing his weather letdown. 
Now, what he says at that time when he was going down as the plane shaking and he's thinking, he's going, his thoughts came about what his mother had said to him a couple years back. Why don't you just go and be a grocery man? That's what was going through his head. Why don't you just go work in the grocery store? As he's thinking, and he's looking, one, two, three, four. And as he came through it, what he said, what he saw was exactly what you'd see in a movie theater, in a, a movie scene. As he came through into the valley, suddenly he saw machine gun fire, tracer bullets going from the ridge up to the left and ridge on the right down into the middle where his buddies were in the, uh, the, the troops in, the, in below. And he said the G-force is pulling on him. He was like, ah, and he's trying to maneuver through this valley, which is incredibly dangerous because not only now is he worried about enemy fire, he's worried about uh, possibly getting, hitting a, a cliff. And this is Johnny Bravo. And he goes, guys, are you on the left or are you on the right? And they're going, who are you shooting at? Right. So Johnny Bravo, is he still counting? One, 1,000. He lays a line of fire and blows through, the, and he pulls up, just skimming the trees. Comes back up and he's waiting for it. No snow, nothing, no nothing. He's like, oh no, the worst thought. Maybe I hit my own friends. Good hit, good hit. <gasps> okay, so he gets back. He thinks, I'll do this again. And he does it again. One, 1,000, two, 1,000. He goes down, he lines up. And he's thinking, maybe I'll scare him away. No, these guys were dug in. So he does this again. In fact, he does it again. He does it again. He tells his, his uh, wingman, you just stay up here. Because, I mean, there's no use us risking it both. But what happens is Johnny does it several times, and finally he actually runs out of ammunition. So this time he comes up and he goes to his wingman, I need you to come with me. And the wingman's like, ah, I don't know. Like, man, like seriously, I, don't, I can't do this. I don't know anything. He goes, I'll just lead you with it. I'll guide you with it. We can do it together. And so he does the same procedure and lets his wingman out guiding him. And they go down to this thing again, one, 1,000, and their feet, the plane, they're three feet from wing to wing. Just to get rid of the enemy. That day, those 22 soldiers came out of that, out of that valley with zero casualties. Zero casualties. And it was crazy. They asked the question. They said, what makes Johnny, why did Johnny Bravo do that? Where, my question is, where do like Mike, Johnny, Bra, uh, Johnny Bravo, Dowler come from? What makes them like that? Who are they? What would risk life comforts? Why would you f- push against something that's telling you to think about just yourself? What makes this person so unusual? He could have been just very thankful, flying up in the sky. He's very calm, clear. Like, I'm so thankful. I got my nice jet. It's beautiful up here. But his thankfulness caused him not to just sit there and he was willing to actually do something about his fellow brother or sister. In fact, if you remember, he had even convinced his wingman to go down, right? But this is what they said. Johnny Bravo wasn't born, he was made. And this is what Johnny Bravo said. The guy asked him, said, Johnny Bravo, why do you do this? Like, Mike, what would cause you? And this is what he said. In a lecture, he said this. I'm here to tell you I am Mike, a lieutenant in the U.S. Army. He's speaking in his flight suit. I'm an Army infantry unit, an infantry marine. I'm a Navy SEAL. Now, the people at his lecture looked at him and said, they kind of smiled, and he said, I know what you're thinking. Mike, you're wearing 
a Air Force suit. You are not a Navy SEAL. You are not a Marine. You are not an infant person, infantry person. You're none of those. Why would you say that? And Mike continues, yes, I'm an attack pilot for an A-10 fighter pilot jet, but I'm going to argue, argue your observation. My job is to protect the Army infantry unit, infantry marine, the Navy SEAL. I stand for something bigger than myself. To me, because I have an extreme amount of empathy, listen to that. Because I have an extreme amount of empathy for those infantrymen being shelled by an enemy, for the Marine standing out there by himself, for the Navy SEAL who's about to kick down the door and has no idea on the other side, I am an Army infantry unit. I am the infantry Marine. I am a Navy SEAL because I put myself in their shoes. I have empathy for these people. They are my family. That's why Johnny Bravo did it. Sounds a lot like love. You see, empathy or love is the greatest skill of a soldier. Mike Drowley shines as an example of what it looks like. And may I add, that's the shining example for a business person. That's the shining example of a husband or a father or a mother or employer or an employee or a student or a child, a grandparent, or may I say, dare, dare say, a follower of Christ. Your love. Your appreciation for someone else compelling you to do something. So what causes Thanksgiving? That's all I'm going to ask. I'm going to, I kind of poke at this because I know for me, this is the challenge. It's going, I, I mean, how do we live this? Because you see, out of empathy, out of love, thinking about others, actually Thanksgiving will be generated. But what that will do is it'll actually cause you to have action. Your thanks, you loving people will make you thankful and put yourself where you cannot but do something for them. You know, one of the classes that we offer and Aaron was sharing about, we're going to be going into Gateway 100 and Gateway 200 because we actually want to encourage people. What does it mean to, you know, be, get to know us? And so we talk about Gateway 100. Gateway 100 is about us and about getting to know us and what our values are and we get to know you. It's the best way to get to know us. Uh, Gateway 200 is something different though. Gateway 200 is on our path. We want to actually talk about maturity. What does it mean to be a mature Christian? Our desire is to make followers of Christ. And so we made this other part of, hey, we would love for you all to take Gateway 200. Why? Because we all should be growing. And we talk about what we grow. Now, the, one of the things that we talk about that's very important is giving. How many of you know that if you're to grow in Christ, one of the aspects that you have to do is start to be a giver? You actually cannot sit there and say, Me, take. That, that's the part and the aspect of growing in Jesus when you are a giver. So when you think about thanksgiving, what is the primary word you hear? You hear thanks, but you have to focus on this word called giving. So we talk about it for a whole class about giving. And I was like, man, I've talked about giving. Like we talk it a lot. We, we put, you guys honestly are amazing givers. 
Not because you've taken Gateway 200. I think it's because you, like Johnny Bravo, are people who think beyond yourself. You are a giving church. Let me explain why. I can look at you and say, this church is so much like Johnny Bravo. Willing to give up, to think about others. What you don't know is on the last live stream, which was last week, I preached and I finished it and we all sat down and we were like, oh wow, this is weird. It's going to be shutting this down. And Pastor Ron sat here and he said, wow, I can't believe the sacrifice that, that has gone over the last seven months of people giving time. And, but then he said this, and he said this about you, and I wish I had a little video recorder. He said, I, don't, I can't believe the generosity of the South who gave up their building so that we could all do services together. Even when suddenly we're dealing with an occupancy permit, they were still willing to do this to help us. And I said, Ron, your church needs to hear that. (laughs) I heard it, and so I was like, I gotta tell them that. Willing to say, I will give up this to bless and think about others. There's lots of Johnny. But turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're a Johnny Bravo. Go ahead. You can, you may not be, don't, if you don't know them, just say it anyway. Just say it like you mean it. Just say, hey, way to go, Johnny Bravo. Way to go. So I was thinking about this. There's nothing more I can say about giving. This is a giving church. We give a course on it. We talk about giving. There is really nothing. I, lo- I actually did this. I looked at all the notes, and I went through, like, what, what am I maybe missing something? And I went through the notes thinking about giving and talking about this, and, and suddenly I, I realized something. There's something very important that I actually do, I didn't cover. I mean, Ken and I, we've done a great job, but there was something that suddenly as I was preparing for this message that jumped out going, actually, you're missing the most important thing or one of the things that you need to make note about giving, Norm. That actually makes everything run. I was like, what? I I mean, it was like it leapt at me. I'm going, and do you know what it is? We talk about it, but what is the actual motivation for giving? Do you know? Love. We can tell you all the reasons why you give and all the stuff and how it blesses others. and But at the end of the day, there is one thing that has to be out of a heart to give. It is love. I'll explain this. Please open your Bibles. I'm just going to put up the scripture up here because you can follow along in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. Paul is speaking and he shares something that is probably, it's called the love chapter. And it's the most profound part because he was talking to them about all these gifts and all these things that we have in the church. And he says this though in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, And if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. Listen to this. If I give all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I have gained nothing. And then he talks about what love is. Listen to what Paul is saying. If I do anything without love, it means nothing. 
You gain nothing. And again, he talks about particular practices we do in the church that we think are really spiritual and godly. He talks about, you know, maybe speaking in different languages or using spiritual gifts or having knowledge or faith that could move mountains. Or this is the one that gets, again, giving everything. How many of you have given everything to the Lord? How many of you struggle even giving a little bit to the Lord? I'm with you sometimes. He says, if you did, you gave everything. You gave your car, you gave your house, you gave your kids. That might be a little easier depending on what day or like and how much work they're doing around the house. That could be a little easier. You could give all that, but you never give your grandchildren, right? That never would happen. You can give and give and give, but if you have not love, if you have thanksgiving and you have not love, means nothing. And particular about giving, you at least you can give, but you won't get the reward. The reward that you're supposed to have through love. So what causes people to participate in thanksgiving? It has to actually be love or empathy, or we gain nothing. We have to be like Johnny Browers and, or Bravos in some ways in that what we're saying is what's motivating us to say, my, I'm putting myself, I feel these people down here, I gotta do something. This is what Mike says about this and it's a pretty important part of this whole Thanksgiving thing. Mike said this, there are fates more worse than death. In the interview continued on, it's letting my brothers down, not, let it, not thinking about others. I appreciate those guys so much so that I have to do something because they would do the same for me. So what Johnny Bravo is describing, what makes him tick is love. That's what's making his heart go. What makes your heart go today? What do you love? If love is the most important aspect, including thanksgiving, then I'm going to ask the question, how do we grow in love? How do we grow in empathy? Well, you can do this by a couple things. The first one is this, growing in empathy by walking in other's shoes. Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking about to the Ephesian elders. He, he greets them, and he was sharing with them because he knew he was going back to Jerusalem. He was going to be uh, possibly, he thought, might even die. So this was his last words to the Ephesian church. And he says something in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that is amazing. He says this. What he says isn't actually recorded in any of the Gospels. It's not recorded. But this is what Paul says. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he, when he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Somehow, the early church, this is not recorded in the Gospels, they had this saying that Jesus had said, it is better to give than to receive. They all knew it, but somehow, because it was, I don't know how it didn't get in the Gospels, but it was a teaching that they passed on that they had inside them, that Jesus was a person who said, it is better to give than to receive. Do we believe that? 
Is it better to give thanksgiving than to receive thanksgiving? Is it better to get than to give? Well, it's so counterculture. Because you know what? Paul was saying, this is the thing that I've received and I've been giving to you as elders. Keep this in your mind. But he starts, before he starts about this blessing, it is better to give than to receive. You know, you're going to get blessed if you give. Before he starts there, he starts with something before. He starts by motivating them by saying, think about the weak. See, I jump to that. It's better to give to receive. You'll get blessed. So if I give, I get blessed. But he's saying, no, 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 don't start there. Start from think about the weak. Put yourself in someone else's shoes before you think about getting and giving and blessing. The start of empathy means you're going to start from not the place of what I get, but putting yourself in someone else's shoes. That's what he says. Because Paul had this revelation. He had this thought. Jesus, who would do something, he would put himself in our shoes. He talks about this in Philippians chapter 2. Paul had a revelation of who Jesus was. Though he was God, he he didn't consider equality with God something to grasp, but he made himself nothing and made himself the form of a servant. And he became a man. The son of man. Why did he become a man? So he could have empathy with all of us. He understands our pain. He understands our suffering. He understands, and he got into our shoes. Paul had this revelation, so he's telling the church, think, help others. Because if you help others, then you can get this understanding it's better to give than to receive. Put yourself in people's shoes. Think about the weak first. Now, I want you to know that that is a challenge because I I, I love it. Maybe Walter would understand this a little bit more because, you know, in the military, what happens is if a brother will actually lay down their life, sacrifice for their brother, they get a medal. They get a reward because they are thinking about their, their, their fellow soldier. Did you know that's not the same way in business? You know, in business and how we're taught is it's actually to think of the company first. It's to think about you, yourself, and I. And so every day you go to work, not like in the military, and you're not being taught like that. And I think the challenge is how do you live like that when everything says just think about yourself? Because that's how you get ahead in this world. I'm, gonna, I'll be ex- I'm just going to give you a side note that I totally, um, I'm going I'm to be honest. I'm going to reveal myself a little bit. I absolutely hate self-help books. I'll explain why. You can get a lot of self-help, like, hey, if you do these seven things, you can, you know, help get rich. You want to be a millionaire? Here's your seven steps, how you make, if you want to lose weight, this is how you do it. You know, do these five things. If you want a happy marriage, you do these things. If you want this, you do, and so we have these wonderful help things. But what you hear is, if you want me, 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 me. Imagine if you read a help book that said this, how do you let, how do you help your friend make a million dollars? What are the f- seven steps to help my pastor lose weight? No, don't think about that. I'm just saying, just what are the five things that I could do to bless someone else? Where do you hear that? It's not a very many self-help books, is there? 
Because our culture is so about me, 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 me. Now, I'll give an example of what I thought was fantastic. I was watching a YouTube, and this guy was sharing how he was opposing, kind of fighting this whole concept, and he wanted to do an experiment. So he went downtown, and he saw, uh, he went to actually a person who's homeless, and he said to this person, could you help me? I want to do an experiment. Now, he wasn't going to experiment on them. He was going to use them as an, you know, not, okay. So just clarify. He's going to do a a theory he had. And he said to this person, this wonderful lady who is, he said, how much do you make a day asking? Well, she goes, I make about 20 to, on a good day, about $30, day, $30 a, I guess, a day for eight to 10 hours of work. Oh, 20 to 30, okay. And he said, well, can I, can I help you? She thought, oh, good, he's going to give me some money. And he goes, yeah, sure. And he takes her sign, he takes the sign, he flips it over, and he writes something on, the, on it and gives it back to her just to see what happens. And that she starts that day. And in two hours, she made $40. $40. Do you want to know, do you want to know what the sign said? that radically had changed, where suddenly people seemed to be wanting to give and help. The sign said this, if you give only once a month, please think about me next time. You see, the sign said nothing about the taker, but you as a giver. See, one of the objections that people have when they don't give is, I don't give to everyone. She says, I know you don't need to give to everyone, but if you give to someone... How do I know you really need it? That was one of the other arguments. So this man is addressing both those concerns. You can't give to everyone. And if you only give once a month, give to me because my, my need is legitimate. I will always be here when you are ready to give. It's not about me. It's about you. And as soon as he shifted that, suddenly people were willing to give. And give more. You know what, when you talk about others, would you believe that you would be blessed? When you actually put yourself in other people's shoes and think where they're at, you will be blessed. But it starts by thinking about not yourself. The next thing is this, is growing in empathy by giving time. What is, what is the one way to illustrate your, the way you really could show love? What is the one way you could show by putting someone first? Did you know that time is the greatest way of displaying thanksgiving and appreciation? It's the greatest act of generosity. When you do it with no expectation of anything in return. Oh, I gave you time, you give me time. Why would I say time? Why do you think time? Why is time more valuable than anything? I'll give you an example. Let's say I said this. Um, guys, guess what? I just went downtown and I gave $1,000 to uh, one of the charities down, downtown. Now, you probably all go, woohoo. That's pretty, okay, that's pretty, 1000 bucks, yes? 
You're not jumping out of your, out of your seats really like, whoa, that impresses me. I, I mean, you're kind of thinking, that's okay, it's a thousand bucks. But what if I said to you, I had, last week I went downtown and I went to uh, the inner city and I actually painted, helped paint a school for a whole day. You'd be like, oh, that's quite a bit. Like, why would you give up your whole day? Why is there a difference? I could actually, for $1,000, pay more people to do the work that I'm not worth $1,000 of a day of labor, to be honest. If I paid $1,000 to someone to do it, you, would, you could get more work. But for some reason, suddenly time, because this is why. We all have the same amount of time. The same amount, whether you're poor or rich. It's the equal commodity that we all have. And here's the crazy part. When you spend it, you can't get it back. You want to value somebody? Give them your time. Give them time. Because you know what's funny? Even money, it can kind of be weird. Like me giving me $1,000, if I was a millionaire, that means nothing. Oh, maybe if I'm a poor student and I'm trying to go to school, that, that might mean more. But the value kind of goes up and down. Where time is steady and you only have so much. And if you know how little time you have and you're giving it out, it's even more precious. You want to show love? Give some time to people. Give you an example. You could give a call. I could do this. I could say, Walter, I appreciate you. So I send him an email and I say, eh, Walter, I appreciate you, man. He might go, that's great. But now suddenly I write him a hand letter and I'm terrible at these. So he really knows, whoa, this is love. This is crazy love. Because now I'm giving the time and the energy to put more into it. Same comments, same thing. You see, because I've actually said I'm going to give more to you and it's time. This is why in church... What you're doing here is amazing. You've given the most valuable thing to people, your time to worship. You could do it at home. You give me the most thanksgiving because you let me speak. You give me your time. And I'm sorry, you can't get it back. And, and I, I understand that when you're going, when I feel that you're okay with me going, I can take a couple minutes. I can do that. I find when I'm preaching here, you're going, it's okay. It's okay, Norm. We value, we thankful for you. If you go a couple minutes, we're not going to freak out. And I feel valued. I feel like, wow, you guys, when you give time, Did you know what? Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your time. Think about that. You want to grow in empathy? You want to grow in it? Give time. And the last part, to be honest, is this. Growing in empathy is by raising above circumstances. Well, what it might be this is that, you know, it's hard enough to go beyond ourselves at the best of times, but it's way more challenging, like I said, when you're going through rough times. I, have to, I said at the beginning, I have to be honest, I feel so convicted to preach about Thanksgiving when all I, I'm the biggest complainer with COVID. I've just been complaining. Please forgive me, church. Because when I read the scriptures and I read about it, I get challenged. It's, I have to kind of preach to myself for a second. Because our nature, William Shakespeare said this in his play, The Merchant of Venice, if you prick me, do, not, do I not bleed? If you tickle us, will I not laugh? If you poison us, will I we not die? And if you wrong us, will we not ha- seek revenge? 
You see, when things are going wrong, I want to, that's my human nature. And so when things get tough, we actually, our, our human bent is to go, and get and frustrated. If you read the Psalms, David got frustrated. You want to read Job? Oh man, that guy was going, God, where are you? But then we see Jesus at the foot of the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Not a hint of revenge. That's crazy. How do you do that? How do I die daily to something like that? My own flesh that says, But this is what it means to follow Jesus. It's rising above our circumstances. In Philippians 2 verse 14, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ... You may be proud that I did not run in vain or or labor in vain. Do do nothing without grumbling and complaining is what scripture says. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, we all face hardships, but what do we do with it is a big Challenge. I'm going to show you a video really quick of something that uh, kind of inspired me because my son said, Dad, you got to see this. So I'm going to put this up for you. You're going, what was that all about? Well, let me explain. This little vo- uh, video was posted on September 25th this year. It was, it just as of three days ago has had 26.9 million views and you've just added to it. Because Nathan Apodica, or better known as Dogface, has become a major celebrity. And here's why. You think, well, it's just a video. But what you don't know is he put a little caption on the bottom, my truck just broke down. You see, Nathan had a reason for posting this video from his skateboard, which means this video became very significant. What he was doing is he thought, ah, my my truck broke again. And so he jumps on his skateboard and he starts skating along, pulls out his cranberry juice, drinks, and sings to this song. And this thing's gone viral. I mean, everybody is like, do you see this? And, and what happened, which is crazy, this has gone so wild that people started making other videos and memes of it. It's all over. And here's Nathan just living life, not letting circumstances getting him down. What happened, the story continues on, is Ocean Spray went to, uh, because people started buying their beverage. <laughs> like lots of people. And he is now, he's like making the company money for just being happy. 
What they did is they went to Nathan because they heard the story that this happened because his truck broke down and they bought him a brand new Nissan 2020 truck. $50,000 truck and gave him all the ocean spray he could drink. <laughs> because suddenly he said, what did you think? And he goes, no, I just, I just wasn't going to let something get me down. You know, in the interview asking the guys at Ocean Spray, why did it go viral? Why did it hit so crazy? I mean, 29.6 million views. People are starving for some people who will actually be happy, thankful in the midst of crazy, stupid times. And this is what the guy on the board said. He said, I think it's just this. I think it was the fact that Nathan wasn't going to let life get him down. And he jumped on the board and said, I'm just going to get to work. But the mix of a song talking about dreams and what people have said to me, the younger people said this. Younger people, not of my generation. It was the groove. It was the vibe. It was the flow, the idea of him just not letting adversity get him down. That's what everyone wants. And and trying to follow it. You know what, I'm, I have to realize that our problems are pretty petty compared to others. And I ask the worship team to come on up. Um, I have to realize I'm pretty blessed. And I'm super challenged by you, church, because you are so giving. You're, I'm very thankful for you. Thank you for your constant giving. You know what, in the, during this COVID season, we have not had any challenges in that I want to say thank you for giving time that you would watch a screen and not do church. I'm so thankful that you'd even come back to gather. I want to thank you that you, can, that you are in a call to love. That love, that empathy is what's supposed to motivate us. It's supposed to drive us. How do you do that? How do you let that love? Well, put yourself in other people's shoes. Give time. And rise above the circumstances.